We want to know, is America racist? Let's get into it. Just systemically, America is racist. You can't really, like, separate America from racism. Like, having to learn racism is a really interesting concept. How did you learn racism, just quickly? Just, yeah, because of, like, all the things that we were taught in school. Interesting. So you learned racism from the education system? Yeah, I did. Beforehand, you never really experienced it? No, I did not. Welcome to the Father State. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. Remember that the Father State is now on Locals.com. So click the link in the video description to support our work. Amazing. So I have with me today Jake Julius. He is from Rattlesnake TV. And Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Jesse, it is an honor. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, man. I was, I I didn't I had no idea that you were familiar with us for so long. Mm. Yeah, no, I've been watching your channel for years. It's quite iconic, actually. I, I don't know if you look deep enough back into my channel, you'd notice that my very first few videos, every time I was referring to a beta male on my channel, I'd have you come in going beta. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so you're featured very regularly on my channel. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so, are you a beta alpha? Well, I used to be a beta until I uh, started boxing and until I started moving away from the life of atheism and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. And then I've moved more towards the path of being an alpha. And nice. someday I hope to be an alpha giga chad like you, Jesse. Right on. And so did you face your mother yet? Uh, I've heard you talk about this before, and I'm not exactly sure what you mean by this. So, I mean, I'm glad you brought this up, but uh, my mom did a fantastic job of raising me. So I'm, uh, I'm not 100% sure what you mean by that. So if you did a fantastic job, why were you a beta at one time? Well, because my father died when I was younger. Uh, so when I was 19, and he got very sick when I was 14. My father was an, an alpha male. Right. He was a veteran of the South African Army, a used to do marathons every single year. And then I was on the straight and narrow. And then you know what happens when the father leaves the home, Jesse. It, yeah. It, it goes downhill. That's right. And so your mother made no mistakes with you? You didn't you, you she never got you angry? Um there were probably times when that happened, but I think I would have made her a lot more angry than she made me. <laughs> That's and, for sure. And why is that? Well, cuz I was a I was a rotten teenager at times. I think that when you're a teenage boy, Jesse, when you're 14 and something like that earth-shattering like that happens to you, you start to lash out and you lash out at the people closest to you. And I was lashing out at school. I got kicked out of three, three different high schools, went to four different high schools, got in trouble with the law, was doing all kinds of bad stuff. So Nice. And so yeah. how do you think you became angry and it came out when you was in your team? Where did the anger come from? Definitely the lack of a male role model, the lack of a father figure. And so Absolutely, as, no doubt about it. And as a result of not having that father figure there, did your mother impose a will on you in any way? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, for sure. What, give me an example. Well, somebody had to do it. And so if, I'll give you an example. The, the second time I got kicked out of a school, it was pretty much I was on my last legs. And then my mom imposed her will on me by telling me that I had to go to boarding school. So she sent me to boarding school. And that was what started to turn my life around a little bit. When I was away from all the bad influences and all of the the the, the bad <laughs> parts of town, and then I went to the country boarding school, and I learned a little bit more structure, a little bit more focus, and that was and there was many times when I wanted to leave, and it wasn't what I wanted to do. I went there kicking and screaming, but it it ended up being like a, a lifesaver for me. Nice. Well, what you don't realize, I don't want to force you to see it, but the anger that you had and the acting out came from your mother. You didn't just wake up one day and decide that you were to act out. You were acting like her, but you just don't realize. You didn't realize at the time. But get to see those little things she irritates you about. She tried to make you do it her way, or she wants you to be a certain way. And that's what brought on the anger. And and then you, when you started acting out, you were acting like her, not yourself. I would say that, you're that you are in a, in a way correct 
But the way that I would push back is in the sense that the reason why I was so angry was probably because I was going through something that was very unfamiliar to me. So it was when you when you see your parent very sick as a young child and you start to and you lose your hero, you lose your father, your your role model, it's 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 something you don't quite understand. So in nowadays I might be able to process it a little bit better right. and I might be able to move move through it with a little bit more couth. But back then I was just getting angry, I was getting in fights, I was getting myself in trouble. So if I had my father figure there, who was obviously a South African army vet who would have just beating the shit out of me if i even <laughs> if i tried any of that so amazing uh, as soon as though as soon as i lost the beatings jesse it was it was all downhill from there right on. well smoke on it let me ask so where <laughs> so where are you right now i'm in italy i'm in sicily in the south of italy really but you grew up you were born and you were raised in south africa no my dad's south african my mom is italian australian and she um moved to, they met in London when she was tw like 21 and he was 23. And long story, they moved to Australia, back to where my mum's originally from, and then they had us, popped out three boys. Real men make boys first. That's amazing. That's it. That's it. Exactly right. So your channel, uh, Rattlesnake TV, what is it mm -hmm. about primarily? I would say primarily it's about breaking down debates. And what I like to do with the channel is break down a very various different debates from different aspects and different corners of the cultural discussion and pick away at different ideas through each debate. So each time there's a debate, I'll try and find a narrative and I'll try to find a structure to the debate and I'll try and put together my own narrative where I can maybe keep people, as I say, armed and dangerous uh, in terms of fighting back against some of the pervasive cultural ideas that are people I think are not courageous enough and not uh, knowledgeable enough to fight back against in their own life. Yeah. Um, I got to ask, so your, uh, I don't want to assume it, assume, but your father, mm -hmm. is he white or black? Was he white or black? White. And your mother? White. Oh, okay. Because you kind of look like you mixed with something. Italian. Oh, yeah. I see. Amazing. Yeah, so that's it. I've, I've got their strong Italian looks, so. Nice. Um. I saw this video that you did with uh, Jordan Peterson, and he hmm. was debating Michael Eric Dyson, the black guy. Yes, yes. And I thought that Jordan Peterson served Mike, uh, Michael Eric Dyson on a platter. I thought he hmm. handled Michael uh, Dyson in a perfect way, in a way I've yes. never seen anyone handle a. Uh, uh, such a phony person like Michael Dyson, I've never seen a white man deal with him in that way, or anyone really. Hmm. That was one of my favorite, one of my first videos, like one of my first 10 videos or so, I think, from memory. But yeah, the way I see that one is just, it's just simple. Michael Eric Dyson is a, is a charlatan. He's a snake oil salesman. And what he does is he takes very, very simple ideas and he tries to complicate them as much as possible. Yeah. And this is something you see a lot these days with leftists. They're not intelligent enough to take complicated ideas and simplify them and make them palatable for everybody. So then they'll take the simple ideas and make them complicated. And then yeah. Jordan Peterson actually gets a lot of pushback from people like that because they say, oh, he's not a real academic. He take, he's so simple. He just says, clean your room. But they don't see the genius in that, that he's taken a complicated idea and made it simple. Yeah. And they'll see Michael Eric Dyson will use as many big words as he possibly can that he doesn't need to. And uh, that's the way I see that. I um... I've debated uh, Dyson before a couple of times, maybe three or four times. And I've said that this guy, he's saying a lot of words, so-called big words, really fast. Mm -hmm. And then he'll throw in some emotional, stupid stuff. And if you're not uh, paying attention to what he's saying, because he says nothing, you you mm -hmm. react to the, the racism or whatever he says without realizing he said nothing, but he got mm -hmm. you emotional about throwing in stupid stuff like that. Well, it's a word salad. What he does is he's, he just puts in lots of different words into the salad and then he says something really emotional like racism yeah. or he says narcissism or something that makes people emotional. But the most sinister part in my mind about using all those big words is that 
the regular person who just tunes into that and watches that will think, oh, this guy's using all these big words. He must be smart. Right. He must know what he's talking about. Yeah. But he doesn't. He's not, he's not, like you said, he's not saying anything. No. Whereas Jordan Peterson in that debate is saying very profound things, but in a way that you can kind of understand and interpret. You have to be dumb to speak that fast. It doesn't make sense to speak that fast anyway. It, it's definitely yeah. a cover up. Um, the other white guy that was with Peterson, who was he? Stephen Fry. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's a he's a British intellectual. Uh, he's he's generally a leftist. I think he's more he's like the atheist leftist type of thing. So I, I have my disagreement points with Stephen Fry, but I mean in general, he's a brilliant man and he's extremely sophisticated. He always carries himself gracefully in debates, and he's got some great books. Mythos. Funny enough, for an, from an atheist writing a book about Greek mythology, that's right. a beautiful book. Um, but yeah, no, he's. A, I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, he dealt with Michael, Michael as well. He 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 wasn't afraid to speak up. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think at one point he called him a snake oil salesman and like a pulpit. It, like pulpit snake oil salesman or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It was really good. It was it was an amazing debate. I really liked it. And it was unusual for me because I don't see white men using or are courageous enough to speak up and deal with black men or women in the matter that those two guys dealt with Dyson. Yeah, well, I think that like – uh, the very for the most part these days, you'll get white people who are basically not commenting at all on issues yeah. where there's a black person even involved, yeah. because they think that they've basically taken the the pill and they've swallowed it. Where they think that oh, I better not talk about this because my lived experience. I mean, as <laughs> if there's any what's what's the opposite of lived experience? Yeah. Unli- I don't know, but they think that they're because of their lived life experience that um they're not black, so they can't talk about it. So it's one of those one of those things that I could go all, all day about, but. Yeah, and so uh, are you afraid to speak up about the blacks? No, no, I'm not afraid to speak up about blacks. I'm not afraid to speak up about Asians. I'm not afraid to speak up about anybody. I'm not afraid to speak up about abortion because I'm not a woman. I think that if there's any ideas that come down, if there's any epistemology that we need to discuss that's important in society, everybody should have a say. And whoever's opinion or whoever's point of view and perspective is the best. We'll win at the end of the day if we have the debate. If we don't have the debate, yeah. then it's the person who has the most power is going to win. And so what's wrong with the blacks? Well, I mean, it depends where you where you look because I actually heard of a comedian the other day say that, oh, the only blacks uh, are from uh, Africa. So we don't need to call them African-Americans because <laughs> everybody knows that blacks are from Africa. <laughs> I thought that was funny because there's a whole black culture in Australia as well in terms of the indigenous Australian culture. And then you've got like Papua New Guinea and they've got blacks in Papua New Guinea. And then I'm in Italy right now and you've got like a lot of African immigrants in Italy at the moment. So you'd have to say which which blacks you mean by that. So let's deal with the one where you are, the ones in your country where you are now, Italy. Do they love the right. white so, people? I'm sorry? No. They no, don't... well, I mean, in in terms of, it's it's hard to say about, do they love the white people? Because the thing is with the indigenous people where I live is that they were a paleolithic hunter-gatherer society until before Australia was was colonized. Um, so or until they arrived on the shores of Australia, they they basically used to hunt and gather. They they hadn't invented the wheel yet. So like this was a culture that was very much uh, they basically just lived off the land. So it's very different to any other culture in the world. So the assimilation process for the Indigenous Australians is one that will probably take a thousand years. And we're at a stage right now where uh, a lot of these communities, and Australia is a very big place as well, Jesse. So a lot of these communities are literally a thousand kilometers away from anything else. And they have big problems with drugs, alcohol, abuse, uh, sexual abuse of children. They have big problems. Um, yeah, like I said, domestic abuse. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not good. But it's only a minority of the population. Most of the indigenous population of Australia live in the more urban places. So, oh, so it's one of those are, very. Those are the blacks that live out in the woods, and, and and they have tents and huts and things like that. Not really. They have like little communities. So it's more in the desert. Um, oh. Australia has a huge desert oh. in the middle of it called the Simpson Desert, and you've got the Bruce Highway, which runs right through the middle of Australia. 
And then up towards the north, you have a lot of indigenous communities where um, like they'll basically have these little townships where it's a little community of just houses and maybe a few medical centers here and there, but it's almost impossible to get proper medical treatment or proper policing or anything there. Um, and in some of these communities, alcoholism is rife. Um, and it's one of those issues that instead of tackling the actual problem, they're now trying to get a, uh, they're trying to get like a council of people of indigenous people to have a voice to parliament, which means that anything that affects indigenous people, they have a, a say over, which has its own problems. And then they're also trying to change the date of Australia day, which is the equivalent to American independence day, because apparently it's, it's not inclusive. So <laughs> while they're all arguing about this, there's real problems happening and it's the same as America. So. And so what's wrong with those blacks over there that they're not innovated like the whites and they can't build and make things nice. Why can't they do it? Well, there are many of them who do do it, but the ones in the community specifically, which is like a smaller population of them, the problem is that they don't have access to proper education. And also they've got deep, deeply, deeply different cultural customs. Like for example, they have a coming of age ceremony uh, in those communities where they will have to go what's called walkabouts, which means that they'll go walking about in the in the desert for weeks and weeks and weeks living with an elder, and then they'll come back. And one of the problems is that it's shameful for them to associate with other boys who aren't uh, initiated into adulthood. So then it's shameful them to go for them to go to school, so they'll stop going to school. There was a survey done where only about 14% of them were going to school, 14% at all. Uh, big problems with, like I said, in those smaller um, subsets of the population, sexual abuse, uh, domestic abuse, alcoholism, and this is not something that any of the politicians have the balls to talk about. So the and, conversation doesn't get had. And do they have Black Lives Matter people living in their area? No, they, they wouldn't know what that is. It's, <laughs> these are very remote. Like if you went to those issues, if you went to those cultures and you asked them what Black Lives Matter is, they, would, they wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about. Really? Do they speak It's the English? ones whose grandma's grandma was, was black. They're the ones who worry about Black Lives Matter. Oh, <laughs> Do they speak yeah. English? Yes. Yeah, but they've also got their own native native um, languages as well, many Amazing. different ones. And so do yeah. you ever go over to South Africa? I've been there once when I was younger, but uh, my dad was a white South African and he came from England when he was really young. And in South Africa, unfortunately, is not the greatest place for white South Africans right. anymore. Yeah. So uh, he's still got friends over there, not much family. But a lot of people are trying to get out of there as far. I'm sure you would have seen that video that was going around on Twitter, like I think last week of, I think it was the Black National Party and they were screaming, kill the Boer. And the yeah. Boer is the white man, kill the farmer. Yeah. So that was my dad was basically a Boer. Wow. Why don't the white people stand up for themselves over there, especially white men? In, in South Africa? Yes. I think they do. I think that's that's it's a different culture because the farmers are very proud over there. I think that you'd get obviously some of them who don't, but if you're talking about the farmers in particular, yeah. many of them just have a gun and they'll just be thinking, "This is my home. I've been cultivating this land for generations," and that's why they're not leaving. Otherwise, they'd leave. But I mean, it's also difficult to just pack up and go because who are you going to sell your farm to? Yeah. So amazing. So it's, it's a hard situation, and this is what happens when identity politics takes a hold and is enabled. Yeah. What's important to you? What's important to me is creating a life where I can lift up all of the people around me, my family, my extended family, and that's what brings me joy is is uh, making the people around me, allowing their dreams to come true. Are you afraid to deal with women, speak up, and correct them when they're wrong? No. <laughs> I, I used to be quite a lot. Um but not so much nowadays. Most 99% of the time I won't bother. Um, maybe not 99%, but most of the time I won't bother because it's, it's very difficult if someone is dealing, is talking from a place of emotion. If they're not your girlfriend, if they're not your mother, if they're not someone who you care about and you want to help, then I won't, I won't say anything. I'll just say, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so when you date, do you tell the girl how to cow eat the cabbage, your girlfriend? Or do you go along with her because you're afraid to speak up to her? There was a time when I, 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 I'll, I'll give you examples of both. 
there was a time when I didn't, when I just let the cow eat whatever they wanted <laughs> and uh, it went bad for me. I had a girlfriend who was, at the time when I met her, she was a graduate doing really well for herself. She was working in the bar that we were, that we were near where we were living and she was, you know, a beautiful, fantastic young girl, traditional father, all of that. And then I didn't tell the cow how to eat the cabbage. And she started walking all over me, walking all over me. And then she'd test me a little bit more, test me a little bit more. And then before I knew it, she was out four times a week, putting things up her nose with her friends and getting all sorts of tattoos. And she just lacked that masculine influence that I should have, I should have given her. But then in relationships uh, gone by recently, more so, yeah. There's no other way, there, in my opinion. And I think that there's a lot of people on the internet today telling you how to do that. And I think a lot of them don't quite have the right idea because I think that there's a big difference between a tyrant and a benevolent king. Yes. And I think that you have to be able to speak to women in a way that makes them want to respect and trust you and, and love you rather than just speaking to them like you'd speak to a man with logic and, and facts. And so what made you afraid of them at first to tell them how to count? Why were you like that? Well, I think that we live in a very hyper-feminized society. And I think that we've been told from a very young age, we watch The Notebook and we watch basically all the cartoons growing up, the Simpsons and the Family Guy. And these dads are all just fat alcoholic dads whose wives, you know, happy wife, happy life. And the wives <laughs> are always the boss and they just sit on the couch and drink the beer and do what they're told. And uh, that's basically the message that gets pumped into you. And we don't have Die Hard anymore. We don't have Hercules. We don't have any of these male role models. And we can go into this if you'd like, Jesse, but... I think that men are looking for male role models in very different places nowadays. But yeah. what made me afraid was not necessarily that I was afraid. It's just that I thought that that's how things went. I thought that that's how, you, how it goes. Really? And yes. so when your father was well enough to deal with your mother, did he tell her how the cow ate the cabbage or was he a beta with her? No, he told her how the cow ate the cabbage. Right. Yeah. And when yeah, you he, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, he was a, he was a quite a strong and dominant masculine figure. And so, why didn't you learn from him how to deal with women? You saw him do. Why wasn't that your first example? Well, I think that the, one of the problems with that is that boys will often go for their go to their mothers for advice about girls, and the mother will never tell you the truth yeah. when it comes to giving advice about girls. And my mom. And I, I'll tell her this now. I'll say to her, you lied to me basically my whole life about how to, how to um, treat girls. They'll say, oh, they just want a nice guy. They just want you to be nice to them all the time. And then I'll say, mom, I want to buy this girl flowers on the first date. Should I do it? And she'll say, yeah. <laughs> she'll say, yeah, do it. And whereas, you know, a masculine role model when I started dating, if I had my dad around, would have told me, no, son, you wait and you make her earn that. So Amazing. Um so what would your advice be to especially millennial guys who are very weak and dealing with women and different like what would be your advice for them? Start combat sports as tomorrow. If you're having any problem with self-confidence and if you're having any problem with how to carry yourself as a man and how to have respect for yourself, start a combat sports, learn how to fight and get in the ring as soon as possible and test yourself and then you'll find that self-respect. But how would that help you deal with women? They're afraid of women. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, well, I'd say that that's a good thing in terms of having self-respect. But in terms of dealing with women, I mean, one side of me wants to say you have to have experience with women. So you have to do plenty of dating and you have to, you know, be able to refine your skills with women. But another part of me would probably just say, read good literature, read the Bible, read some stories from Proverbs. <laughs> I'm not too sure, Jesse. <laughs> because most of them, a lot of them have read the Bible. They come from Christian family, but they still have fear. Mm. They still can't deal with the woman. Do you think that if they were to forgive their mothers and overcome her nature, that then they can deal with all women because now they can deal with mama? Because most guys mm. are afraid to be honest and correct their mothers. And because of that, they end up with the same spirit in every woman they meet, and they become the boy, and she become the mama. Do you think it's possible to start with dealing with mama first? 
I think that if if you're somebody who has a conversation that they need to be having with their mother, and if there's something that's underlying there where you feel like uh, there's a serious conversation that needs to be had with your mother, and that you have some, as we'd call it in Australia, mummy issues. I don't know if you guys call it that over here. <laughs> then, then for sure. Um, but it's it's it really is a tough one, Jesse, because uh, half of me wants to sit back and watch these days because, um, and because I almost find it very very difficult. I'd, I'd say honestly, my best advice would be to listen to guys like Jordan Peterson, because I think that Jordan Peterson has has it has a very very strong perspective on how a young man is to carry himself through life. I'd say avoid the more degenerate people on the internet, the ones that will tell you to be forceful with women and yeah. absolutely avoid the blue pill beta males who will who will tell you to just, you know, be nice and that girls just want passion and all of that crap. I'd say that somebody who has a hard line but at the same time understands how to be a good human being is probably the way to go. Have you noticed that women hate nice men because niceness is weakness? One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. They they don't I they, they don't I don't even think that they know it though. I think that it's just so deeply ingrained that when a man is too nice, and I think that a lot of them genuinely don't know that because them and their girlfriends will tell themselves, Oh yeah, we just want like a nice guy and whatever. But then um when they actually get a nice guy, something something inside them will be will be repulsed by that guy. Yeah. And yeah. he will be left there saying, I'm, I've done everything I was meant to do. I did everything I saw in the movies and the TV shows and, and the chick flicks. And, I'm, and he, she's off with, with, the, with the alpha male. Yeah. Have you- Tell me this, Jesse. I'm curious because do, do you think that because when you say alpha male on the internet, I think there's a certain uh, description of what an alpha male has to be. And I'm, I'm really interested to know your perspective because you asked me what, how, how I think that I, that I would advise a young man. If you are a man of God and if you believe in the teachings of the Bible, how does one prepare himself for that without playing the fields and without being a degenerate? That's a good question. But before I answer that, I want to ask, do you have fear? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. No, I would say that I do have fear. And where did your fear come from? The fear inside, not practical fear. You you protect yourself in a physical way, but inner inner fear. Where did that fear Mm. come from? I think it comes from a fear of loss. And I think it comes from when I was younger, having my, the rug pulled from underneath my feet with my father and him passing away. Because I think that for a young man, when you lose your father, it's like losing the rock from your world. It's that, that anchor that guides you through life. And that, that person who can always keep, keep this ship sailing in the right direction. Um, so I lost that order in my life. And then I think that moving forward now whenever i'm think i'm thinking about goals and aspirations and whenever i'm uh planning my life moving forward i always have that deep fear of of losing everything in in the click of the fingers yeah and do you have anger yes yes that's why i started boxing in the first place i had, i had i used to have terrible anger management issues but i i haven't been in a fight or anything in in at least uh, seven years. So, well, have you noticed learning to box and fight did not take away the fear? You still have it. It not not the inner fear, right? But the practical fear, yes, it took it right. took that away. Yeah, but not but the, the inner, inner fear. fear. You know. Yeah. No, that's a different thing. Yeah. Well, the way that a a, a man a male a beta male become an alpha male, he has to mm. overcome that female nature. Because the female nature is an abnormal nature for the male. It is the nature of his mother. She passed it mm. on to him when he was a child. She gave it to her daughters, too, because the daughters are just like the mothers as well. But the man, in order to become an alpha male, you, you need a new nature, which is of God. Because anyone that has fear, and, and all men do, and women, they have the nature of evil. It's the nature of the devil. Anyone that has anger is of their father, the devil, and you have fear, you have worries and doubts and insecurities and all that. But when you overcome that abnormal nature by forgiving your mother or imposing her will on you as a kid, then you would develop this new nature, which is of your God, your true father. And in him, there is no fear. And you would never have to worry about fear or anger again 
once you're born again of the new nature. And that's not going to happen until you forgive your mother for imposing her will on you as a kid. And uh, you're talking about arriving at a place of, of perfect peace. You're talking about arriving at a state of nirvana. And you will have that when you forgive your mother. Because what people don't know is that the God above is the man's God. And the God below is the woman's God. Satan is the woman's God. And the reason she's so wicked, she has a wicked spirit of Satan. And and she hates the image of God, which is the man. And she can't help even the mothers do it to their own children, their sons. She'll destroy you because she hates your nature. And it's not her, but it's the spirit in her. And if you look like your father or or if you were close to your father, you are the enemy of your mother. She hates you because you're close to your father, and she will try to destroy you to get you to recreate your, her image and turn you away from your father. I understand what, you, what you're saying from the biblical perspective, Jesse, but at the same time, uh, if I was to forgive my mother, I'd have to first make sure she forgives me. Because, Why? Uh, as a child, because as a child uh, and as a, as a teenager, I did plenty of wicked things, and I think that my mother had to go through a time when she lost her husband, and she lost the rock in her life as well, and her her earth was also shattered beneath her feet. So if, if it weren't for her, I would be either dead or in prison right now. So I think that first I'll say thank you, and then we can have a discussion for about forgiveness. You would say thank you to her for keeping you out of jail or keeping you from being dead? Yes. And how did she keep you alive? Well. Do you think that a child needs their parent, Jesse? Yes, they do, but they don't owe and their do you think parents that anything. It's just it's just the just the one parent that they need. You don't you not think that they need their mother as well? They need their father and the mother. Okay, and what happens if their father's taken away? What's the mother meant to do? If she didn't resent the father, she had perfect love. She would pass that love on to the child because it would be of God. But if she resented the the father, she didn't have perfect love. She had anger. She'll pass on anger, and that would set the child up to to be miserable in life. So do you think that the fact that I'm angry, that the only reason that I would have anger or the fact that I wouldn't have perfect peace is because of the, of the, of the influence of my mother? You don't think it was because of the life experiences that maybe synthesized my teenage years? No. It, it, those things could have affect, would have affected your life if you overreacted to them and by being angry. And the reason you overreacted to them is because you were already angry. And so when you were growing up, you had to deal with the issues, situations in life. You dealt with it in anger instead of with perfect love. And it just added to what was already there. But you already had anger. Do you think that there's a situation um, where a a growing boy, a teenager, a testosterone-fueled, red-blooded young man would not react with anger? If he had his father's love, perfect love, he would never react with anger. What about if he didn't? He would react with anger because he would have the, the false love of his mother. So you think that it's inevitable that he acts with anger if he doesn't have his father? 100%. Every so human then why be... is it the mother's fault? I'm sorry? So then why is it his mother's fault if it's inevitable? Because it's not her fault. It's her fault in that as an adult, she didn't forgive her mother and and so that she could not do the same thing to her children that her mother did Mm -hmm. to her. As an adult, we are responsible. It's our parents' fault that we fall into a fallen state, but it's Mm -hmm. our own fault as an adult that we don't overcome it because we have to take responsibility and overcome it. And most adults don't do that. And so it's and I do not- see, I do see what you're saying, Jesse. Um, and like, I, I can actually understand what you're saying, but I think that the only thing that is, I have a very deep, strong loyalty towards my mother because I know how much she suffered during that time. And when I look back at that, I don't feel any resentment towards her. I can only feel gratitude. So I guess that's, that's yeah. how I feel. Well, I don't want to force you to see it. Just stay in your hell and suffer until you're ready to see it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> yeah, I, because if I force you to see it, it won't work for you because we need to see it for ourselves, not just because someone said it, right? 
Because if you mm. don't see where this anger came from and it was passed down to you from her, then you're going to apologize. It won't work because you're just doing it because someone said it, not because you see mm. it for yourself. But once you see it and then you go and forgive her, I'm sorry for resenting you, everything would change and the spirit ah. of anger will be taken away from you. And you'll be a free So when man. you forgive your mother, you apologize for resenting her. Yes. Forgiveness well, is Well, that's the, very interesting because that's where that's where mine and your thought overlaps there. What do you mean by that? Well, because I said that I would apologize and my my apologies would come from the fact that I was suffering at that time and then I resented her for that because you resent who's closest to you. So I think that my mine and your theory kind of overlaps there. Well, apology is when you resent someone, when you're angry at them and you're judging them because anyone that has anger is judging. And anyone mm. that's judged is playing God. And but when you realize your mother did the best she could, she couldn't help herself. She did the best she could. Then you realize as an adult, hey, she did the best she could, she couldn't help herself. I'm wrong for resenting her. And so you apologize. Well, I think that this, this, that makes more, that makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense to me uh, because that, I think that anybody can look back at, at anything in their life. Um, and particularly in this regard, you know, no, nobody's perfect and people go through things in their life. Yeah. And it, we, we do have resentment towards different people through different parts of our life. And if you can look back and say, I'm sorry for resenting you, you did the best you can at the time. Then I yes. think that that's, that's a much more, but I think that I just got a bit, um, bit tangled with the linguistics there. Oh, I see. Most people think forgiveness is just saying, oh, I'm sorry. But forgiveness mm. is admitting that you are wrong for resenting. Ah, okay. because Interesting. I'm not, I'm not a very religious man. I haven't really explored these ideas. Yeah, but that's what forgiveness is. It's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry. It's admitting mm. that I'm, I'm wrong for resenting you. I realize you can help yourself. Are you a Christian? I, was, I used to be a real atheist, like a Christopher Hitchens YouTube-watching atheist lover um but as i started to move through my life and as i started to go from apolitical to a little bit more political and a little bit more aware of the cultural surroundings i started to see evil around me that gave me a visceral reaction that i thought that i would have to go and explore and then you know i think you go deeper and deeper into that until you realize that there has to be a counter to the evil there has to be an opposite force and the opposite force has to be God. But I think the problem with that I'm having with it, Jesse, and this is why I like to speak to religious people like yourself or Christians like yourself, is that I would feel like a liar if I said that I was a Christian, even though I have researched the story of Jesus and I'm very interested in the story of the Bible, I do think that there is a God. But if I was to sit here and call myself a Christian, I would feel like an imposter, if, if that makes sense to you. And why is that? Well, because I, first of all, I haven't lived the life of a Christian. And second of all, uh, I, I, as as somebody who used to be a devout atheist and somebody who is actively seeking some sort of spirituality and somebody who is deeply interested in it, th that sense that I have inside me that it's something that I'm looking for makes me feel as though if I was to say that I'd found it, it would be just because I was looking for it rather than it actually happening to me. And I think that Christianity maybe is something that happens to you rather than something that you go and look for in a shop. Absolutely. So what is a Christian? You said you haven't lived a Christian life. What is the Christian life? I think that a Christian life is, first of all, a life where you profess that you believe and that you genuinely believe in God and that you believe that Jesus was the son of God and that you, uh, that you, I guess you, you, you live the life and you, and you really genuinely, truly believe it in your heart and you go to church and you don't do sex, drugs, and rock and roll and all of those fun things. And uh, that's not the life I've lived and far from it. <laughs> and where did you get that false idea about that's a Christian life? Where did you get that from? Interesting that you think it's a false idea. Um, well, I mean, I guess that the, 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 a Christian life, when I think about it, is, is, is firstly, like I said, a life where you truly, truly believe that. So, uh, Christians that I've spoken to, I went to a Catholic school and the Christian people that I know tend to truly genuinely believe and, and it's a big part of their life. But they're not living a Christian life though. What, what makes you say that? Look how mean and nasty and insecure and angry they are. Well, have you, have you noticed do you think that? that that narrows, 
Do you think that that narrows your decision? Which Christians are you talking about? The ones that I know. <laughs> everyone, everyone that have done oh, what okay. you say they have done, they're still miserable. They have fear. They still have anxiety. They have doubt. Mm. They still worry. They're angry. Oh, okay. But yet they have confessed Jesus. Right. Have you noticed That's that? That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Yes, yes. So, so you think you so think while, that it's, it's a... F- go, no, go on. No, right? finish your point. Go ahead. I was going to say, so you think that it's a fallen state in the sense that nobody is even close to the ideals that they are purporting to be to be close to, or nobody is really living the life of a Christian. Right. Have you but noticed that? Because all the Christians who have gone down and confessed Jesus, it's not working. And they don't question mm. that it's not work. It, it does not work. It's no I wonder you became in the West. No wonder you true. became an atheist. Oh, I mean, it's no wonder that I became an atheist because especially growing up in Australia, it's a very liberal culture. And I think that once you let a little bit of water through, once the cracks start to emerge with liberality and this untethered sort of liberality that we have in the West, the dam is eventually going to break. And um, we're seeing that in, in our culture at the moment, especially in Australia, you, you grow up and by the time you're like 14 or 15, porn is normal and then having sex is normal. and um, all of the other sort of degenerate behaviors and taking drugs and this sort of stuff was all just sort of normal to me growing up. So I got to 25, 26, and then I've got to untangle all these ideas. And then I speak to somebody like you and it gives me a, a different perspective on it all. But yeah, it's, it's something that I've had to actively untangle as I've, as I've gotten older. Um, may I tell you what is, and give you an idea of what is like to live as a son of God? Yes, sir. I'd love to. I'd love to hear it. You got to completely let go. You got to let go all your ideas about God, about yourself, about life itself. You got to let go and let life happen. And when your ideas have disappeared, you will become a son of God. You got to stop trying to make things happen and allow things to happen. And you shall know God. And it's not anyone that says they believe in God don't know him. They believe about mm. him. And to believe about him is just an idea. And ideas all come from evil. It's an intellectual mindset that comes from the deceiver that made a home in your imagination and emotions. Mm. That's, that's, it's really fascinating to hear that. When you say let go and when you say just allow things to happen, I'm assuming that you mean like a life based on faith. How do you marry that with the idea of wanting to be productive and wanting to make a plan every day that you wake up and wanting to plan for the future? Where is the future? The future is what is going to happen. Where is it? Well, it doesn't exist right now. So how can you make plan for something that doesn't exist? So if I wanted to make plans to... Well, I guess you can't really make plans for something that doesn't exist, but you can make some plans for something that hypothetically you think is going to exist. Uh, how can you do that? If it doesn't exist, how do you make plans for it? Well, then you, you can put steps in place today that you can physically do and you can you can put them in place and then down the line you can think that in this hypothetical place that we call the future, those plans will will, will bear fruit. Have you ever done that? Yes. Have you noticed it did not work? I have noticed it did not work, and I have noticed it did work. So why did you? Why do you keep doing the same thing over knowing that it doesn't work? But you still didn't tell me where the future is located. Where is it? Well, I think that it, the future doesn't exist. So then why you keep trying to make plans for something that doesn't exist? Why not have a way to see and just live for now, right now? Right. It's no, quite that was a, a question. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I see what you're saying there. Um, I think that as human beings, we have to make plans for the future. I don't, I don't see how you, but that doesn't you, make you sense. can live a life where you're not planning for the future. Why do you have to make plans for something that doesn't exist? Where did that idea come from? Well, don't you think living for now and living in the moment is just hedonistic? And don't you think that if I live for now and I live for the moment, then I would just turn this camera off and go and watch some porn and sniff some cocaine and, and, no. and just live, live for now, live for pleasure? No. Don't you want to build something for the future? Where are you getting that idea from that? That's what it means. Where did that idea just come from? 
Well, I mean, if you live, well, so when I live for the future, what I think, what I mean by that is that I'm planning for something in the future where I can see there being meaning and purpose in my life. But I tend to think that people who live for now and people who live for the pleasure of right now and for the moment um, tend to want joy in, in just in this moment right now. Where did you get so, the idea of pleasure for the moment? Did I say that? No. Where did no. you get that from right now? Um, my subconscious, <laughs> I guess, um, it's, it's a, it's a great question, Jesse. I mean, I'm not sure where that came from, but when I think, I guess probably the place that it came from was when I look around me and I see the people who I think are living for now and they're not planning for the future and they're not trying to make something of themselves in the present so that they can be the best version of themselves in the future and achieve things in life. They tend to be living for what is right in front of their face. And I tend to think that that's quite unhealthy, but I think you and I have a very different interpretation of what living for now means. Do you find it interesting that when I said living in the present for now, you got this idea that it meant pleasure, it meant this and that, but you don't know where that came from, the idea came from? That is very interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested to know your perspective on it. You're listening to the imagination, which is of your father, the devil. He gave you that. It sounded like you, and you believed it to be you, and you said it, but that's not what I meant. That's not reality at all. But you listen to thoughts which are not your own. But in the practical world, don't you think that there are many, 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 many examples of people who would be living for right now? who would be seeking lives of pleasure. So I'm not really talking about what it's the philosophical like essence of what it's meant to mean. What I'm meant to, what I'm looking at is in terms of people and I think that there are many of them these days who do tend to go down that path. Don't don't you see many examples of that? Why did you listen to thoughts right now which are not your own and you had no idea where they came from or why you were thinking that way? Why did you Well, I mean, why did you repeat what the thoughts said to you now without being aware that that's what you were doing? Well, they are my thoughts because they're actually thoughts that I've that have become from my own experiences where I've observed things in the world. So you created that thought. Well, I, <laughs> well, you actually can't create thoughts. So that's another good point. We don't know where thoughts come from. And so why do you claim them as your own if you don't know where they come from? I think I think you got me. I think I was wrong about that. They're not my own. No, that was a question. Why did I claim them? Well, I guess in the moment, I thought that they were my own thoughts. And, and why? Because the subjective life experience <laughs> that led me to believe what I just said made me think that that train of thought was my very own. So now that you see that, what did you think about that right now? Well, I'd be very... Well, what I think about it is that we don't know where thoughts come from. We actually are very, very unwise as to the nature of consciousness. So will you start paying attention to that and stop believing thoughts? Will I start paying attention to that and stop believing thoughts? That's a really, really good question. Yeah, that, would say, that is something that I could work on. That's something that I should work on. If you want to Definitely. be free, you're going to have to stop doing that because you're listening to the devil. When you do that, he made you think that it's you, they're yours, and then it's not. And, then, and forever mm. you will suffer as long as you listen to thoughts. And when you say listen to thoughts, Jesse, do you, would you consider yourself somebody who lives in the moment and doesn't listen to thoughts? Yes. Yes? I, used to li is, I lived in my imagination for a long time. How do you, I'm sorry? How do, you, so how, do you, how do you interact with that thought when it comes into your head? You just let it pass knowing that it's not me, who would, and just let it pass, like watching a movie, and, mm. and, and just let it pass. And so I'm sitting watching a movie and go from scene to scene and come to a commercial and come back. All I'm doing is observing and let it I happen. I think that's really powerful. I'm I think sorry? that's really powerful. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. The ability to be able to do that. You can. Do you think you... that the, the Gnostics, the modern-day Gnostics and the mindfulness people and the atheists who talk about mind control uh, religious without knowing it. Repeat that. Do you think the modern day Gnostics and the atheists who talk about like mind control and talk about uh, mindfulness and all of that sort of thing? Do you think that they are uh, 
religious in nature but don't really know it? I'm not sure. I don't know enough about them to comment on that. So just I'd say there's a let me give you a quick example. There's a lot of people who really focus on things like yoga and mindfulness and meditation, and but they're atheists, but they're spiritual. They'll call it, and they're all about mindfulness. And what you've just described to me actually really reminds me of what they say in terms of seeing thoughts, allowing them to pass by, recognizing them, and uh, it's a, it's a very modern. You wouldn't consider it this, but it's actually it's been sort of repackaged in the modern atheist sort of yoga world. I'm just not, I'm gonna have to interview some so I can get a better understanding. Uh, uh, so I'll look into that. I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Let me ask: sure. How do you think that you see what I'm saying? You saw that those thoughts. Once we had this, you saw that the thoughts were not your own. How were you able to see that? Well, I think it's a really, really deep, deep idea that you just brought up because it's something that we all sort of battle with. I think that we all struggle with the anxiety of the future and we all to struggle with the depression of the past yeah and all of these are just thoughts that are happening and if we're living in the future or we're living in the past then yeah. it's quite like a it's a, it is a hell to be in at times and um i when i say that i'm building for the future you might interpret it as you know being in that constant state of anxiety where there's just thoughts intruding yeah. on me the whole time does it make sense that those thoughts are not your own it, it, I think that it's 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 an interesting question because when you say not your own, what else could they possibly be? Because they're manifesting themselves within me. So does that make them mine, or were they given to me? They are given to you, but not from not from God and not from you, from your father, the devil. And when you say the devil, do you mean? So I'm interested to know what you mean by this. Do you see the devil as like a sort of a being, or do you see the devil as the opposite to God in something that's? omnipotent or omniscient and that is just he a is force. a he is a spiritual being evil being and he makes a home in your imagination and he and all angry people uh and uh is living by that and that's why they have fear because that is the nature of their father and the devil hmm. i appreciate your honesty <laughs> and does it make sense it does yeah. And does. why does it make sense to you? Well, because I think that it people look at God and they look at the devil and they look at these ideas of good and evil in in many different ways and I think that the way that you're in that you're looking at it in terms of God and in terms of the devil is in a way where like you said they make a home in one's mind and if you're living by God you're living in the moment and you're living your life of with love and with perfect peace but if you're living a life that is uh, subordinate to the devil, then you're going to be having fear and, and anger. And I think that that idea fundamentally makes sense. And it's the way that you, so can the, you the see the universe. You can see that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. What, and the reason that you can see it is God who is allowing you to see it. And that's the voice of God. He allows you to see. And, and the voice of the devil talked to you in your head about, What's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, this is that. He made you judge yourself, and you've been listening to that voice. That's why you've been miserable. And boxing and getting a lot of money and women is not going to solve that problem. It's only going to end when you stop thinking. Hmm. Well, you're a wise man, Jesse, and you're a lot wiser than me. You've lived a uh, a longer life than me, so I think that I'd be wrong to to challenge you on that because obviously it's worked for you. If you if you say that you've achieved perfect peace, who will you be if you were to stop thinking? Stop thinking. Yes. Um, I think that I'd take issue with the idea of stopping thinking because you need thinking to be able to put left foot in front of right and to be able to move through <laughs> life. So I'd probably well, be I'm not some talking sort of about practical dead. thinking. But who were you? Who would you be if you were to stop thinking? A liberal. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. Um, if I was to, if I was to stop thinking, I think that I, I can tell what you mean by that by the context of the conversation in terms of stop having those intrusive thoughts. I think that I would be a person who was much less prone to fear and prone to fear of the of the future, and somebody who uh, was much less. Uh, 
yeah, much, much less prone to fear and, and negative neurotic emotions, I guess. Do you believe there is a past? You believe you have a past? Yes. And where is it? It's gone. It's not here anymore. It used to exist. <laughs> so if, you, if it doesn't exist, why do you believe you have one? Um, because I lived it and I used to be there and you, it still exists in, in one's mind. You never, you never lived the past and you would never live the future. Neither exists. When you were going through what happened, it happened then. And once it was done then, it was over. It existed no more except an illusion of your imagination, which is given to you by thought, which is of your father, the devil. And he so keep, do you think that he keep reminding you, you that, so you can overreact to an illusion? Hmm. So do you think that people who are dead exist? Do I think there exists? Do you, do you think that they exist, people who have died? Without a doubt, but not in the physical. Right. Okay. So you think that in, in the spiritual? Without a doubt. So you don't have a past and you don't have a future. All you have is right now. And if you doubt me, give up thinking. Stop thinking as of right now. Let it all pass. But you're not going to be able to stop until you forgive your mother. So Because that is a woman's mindset. Women live in their imagination. And, every, and everything they do is based on what they think and what they feel, which is all an illusion. It's of their God, the devil. And so men well, have the mother's mindset. Hmm. When you say stop thinking, though, Jesse, do you do you mean stop pondering deep ideas? Do you mean stop reading books, stop studying philosophy? Don't study to remember. When you read, don't read to remember. Read it, put it away, and you can see the depths of it. It will be shown to you. But if you try to ponder it and try to figure out, it's never going to be real. How do human beings make progress in terms of science and in terms of literature and in terms of the arts and in terms of building buildings if we can't study things and remember them. And what do you call progress? I would call progress in terms of science, in terms of Give me uh, the an example. buildings in the society. The Renaissance was progress. Give me an example. The Renaissance. What? The Renaissance. What do you say? Renaissance? The, Yes. What is that? It was a time in uh, about 600 years ago when uh, there was massive progress in art and in li uh, literature and in architecture and all of these amazing artists like Michelangelo built the, I mean, painted the Sistine Chapel. And I'd oh, say I that see. was a progress in, in the human condition. And why do you call that progress? Because people got better at things and beauty was more ever present. People were able to paint things like the Sistine Chapel that was beautiful and create beautiful cathedrals that were sym symmetrical and that made you have a sort of a spiritual vis visceral experience when you look at them. So if that's progress, why is everything so messy now? Nothing, there's no beauty anymore. Do you think that it was more messy during the Renaissance or before the Renaissance? Now, there's no, pro no such thing as progress. People are worse off today. Artwork is worse. Uh, and back, oh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yes. Human nature I is 100 worse. Agree with that. The talent yeah. of humans are worse. But I can tell you, back in those days, those men mm -hmm. were closer to what was right in real life because they were not so distracted by their mm -hmm. imagination from within, nor by the outer source that came from other people. Right. I believe, I believe what you're saying there. And, and I, I actually talk about this on my channel a lot. I talk about what I call the uglification of absolutely everything. Yeah. People are uglier. Buildings are uglier. Yeah. So, uh, like but yet the art you call is the worse, progress. The music's worse. But yet you I call actually called the, I called the Renaissance progress. Oh. And the Renaissance people were building for God and oh, they were building yeah. uh, structures and beautiful things for God. But nowadays, like the art and culture is completely going down downhill. So I wouldn't call this progress, but I'd say that you can isolate bits of progress. So here's what I want to recommend because of time and I got to put you on the hot seat. Sure thing. Is that you got to pay attention to you and know that you're not your thoughts. You're not the feelings. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's no up. There's no down. The people who believe that they're living in time. They believe the imagination of their father, the devil. 
and he made them think there's a path and a future. But if you stay present where God is, there will be no time, there will be no past, there will be no future, and life will be amazing. There will be no fear, there will be no doubt, there will be no worries. And you'll be able to let go and let life happen, and it will be, there are no words to express how amazing your life would be. Everybody around you would be catching hell, but that would be in their own world, but it wouldn't affect your world because you are your own world. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. It does. But you got to forgive your mother and forgive your father for not protecting you from her. Your mother did the best she could. Her mother screwed her up. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. <laughs> 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 you just say, hey, mom, I'm sorry for, re- once you see it, I'm sorry for resenting you. I realize you did the best you could. Thank you, Jesse. And have no it. expectation. Amazing. One- <laughs> Amazing. One quick thing I want to ask before I put you on the hot seat. Yes, sir. You, uh, you seem to, in, in your channel, you seem to understand how people are affected by words, by language. Have you personally learned anything about that? Because a lot of people are affected by words. Hmm. I think that in terms of some of the words that I like to talk about is in terms of political correctness. Um, That's one word, correct. So everyone thinks it must be correct. In terms of woke, people think that it must be awake. People think of social justice. They, They like justice. They don't like injustice. So I think that there's a lot of plays on words happening in our society today that are very damaging. But also if you do understand uh, words and, and literature and, and you can observe that in the moment, as I'm sure you can, Jesse, then uh, that is a very powerful thing. When you overcome the imagination, you will overcome words and it will be amazing. Hmm. I know. I see what you're saying there. And words can be very powerful if you don't overcome them. Absolutely. And people can try to destroy you with words. But if you can overcome words, they cannot affect you at all. That's a beautiful thing to say. I think everyone should listen to that. <laughs> Amazing. So I got to put you on the hot seat, and yes, I need sir. you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. The hot seat. Do you love white people? Yes. <laughs> what is a man? Uh, an adult human male. Is America the best country on this side of heaven? Yes. Do we need more white babies? Yes. Who is better, Tyson Fury or Muhammad Ali? Muhammad Ali. Um, uh, men who have tattooed beta males? No. Beta or alpha? Alpha. Is the earth flat or round? Round. Do you believe in uh, aliens? No. Does a chicken have lips? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is climate change real? Yes, it's real, but it's not an existential threat and it's bullshit in that sense. Does educated women make for, I mean, do educated women make for good wives and mothers? No. Is Satan the woman's God? Yes. <laughs> Is it okay to call a woman fat? Yes. Did the bear shit in the woods? Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have fun? Yes, I had a great time, Jesse. It was a real honor. Amazing. So tell the folks about how they can get in contact with you, your, your social media, whatever you want to put out there. So you can find me on YouTube at Rattlesnake TV and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jake Rattle SNK. So Jake Rattlesnake. And uh, you can shoot me an email, Jake at Rattlesnake TV, if you really like to. And that's about it from me. Amazing. Jake, you believe racism is this? Uh, it depends what you mean by racism. I think that people have a selection bias, but uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. There's no such thing as racism. It's just a word. That the people use to yeah. manipulate and divide. No such thing as racism. If we're gonna, if you have to have that, if you have that conversation, it has to be a, an open and clean-hearted conversation about the nature of human beings, and it yes. can't be a CNN conversation. That's right. I want to encourage you to do this. Are you are you familiar with my silent prayer video? No. 
I want you to do uh, go to www. my YouTube channel www.silentprayer.video, and I want you to give that a try. Let me know what you think. Yes, sir. We'll have to stay in contact. Yeah, do your little hooping and hollering and praising the Lord, and when you're done hooping and hollering, calm down, be still, and know God. Okay. Let me know I'll what you think about that. that. All right. I definitely will. All right, man. It's an honor talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. That was a Amazing. Did I ask you if you had fun? Yes, you did. I think it was amazing as well. I had a great time. I've been watching you for years, Jesse, so it was, it was an absolute honor, and I'm thrilled to have done this. Thank you. Thank you, man. I wish you well. And don't forget, folks, that the Father State is now on locals.com. Click in the link in the video description to support our work. I do appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, to uh, check our merch. Amazing merch. I do appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right, Jesse. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. You'll have to come on my show next time. Absolutely. Let me know. All right. You take care, Jesse. All right. You too, buddy. Amazing.